Okay, good morning. Welcome to Communitas Church. We are a church that exists to love God, to love people, and to make disciples here in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world, which is where some of our people are this week. We have uh, some folks that are just coming back from uh, serving out in Virginia. We have some folks that are recently, uh, that are still out in uh, the Far East, and then we've got some other folks that are just back from serving up in northern Minnesota. Uh, So it is good to see those of you who are able to make it today. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here. And we have just finished worshiping God through song and through uh, the giving of our tithes and our offerings. These are all different ways in which we worship the Lord. Another way that we will worship is through listening to the proclamation of God's word. We will read it and then I I will talk about it. But before we get to that, this is the part of our service where we worship God through communion. And uh, kids, what is happening later on this week? What's, there's, there's kind of a big holiday. If you had school in the summertime, they'd probably give you the day off. You're probably going to go watch people like walk in the streets. I don't know, they're probably going to throw out some candy later on in the evening. We're going to, you know, stay up late and watch. The, the city is going to pay for things to blow up in the middle of the sky. This is all going to be fun. What day is that? July 4th, July 4th right? And, and now, on July 4th, do you, does anybody, like, do you, do you grill at all? Are you going to eat, like, hot dogs or burgers, steak? Maybe some grilled tofu. I don't know what you're into, but and anybody, you know, are, is there is there going to be are there, is there going to be a meal where there's a lot of people that are going to come together that you don't normally have over at your house? Is that going to happen for some of us? And so this is this happens every every year. I think. I mean, every year there's a July Fourth. It's not like leap year, right? Like we we get a July Fourth every year. Is that right? Yeah. And so and that's a really special thing. And so in Jesus' day with his disciples, they also had a really special day. Every, every year they would celebrate this meal. And it was about freedom. It was about being taken from slaves and, and, and being saved and being brought out of this country where they'd been kept and, and been persecuted. And they'd been allowed to, they, they came to a land which was their own. And, and freedom. And so every year they'd celebrate this meal. And the last time that Jesus was together with his friends, he celebrated this meal with them. And he said, it's not just about remembering slavery, being removed from, from slavery in a, in a faraway country, but it's a new type of salvation. And it's moving not just into a, a geographic promised land, but into a promised existence, into a new type of hope, into a new type of transformation where he's, he's calling to renew us from the inside out and calling us to participate in that freedom and in that kingdom and in that proclamation to a broken and hurting world around us. And so that is why we celebrate communion here today. And that's why the church around the world typically celebrates communion, you know, sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly, sometimes yearly. But it's the reason that we do this to remember and to recall the freedom to which we've been called into, the slavery out of which we were brought, and the kingdom we're called to be a part of and to advance. And so the way that we do communion here 
as we practice what's called open communion. So if you're a guest uh, or, or if you're a regular attender, we don't need to be uh, a, a member of our church to take communion. We just ask that you be a follower of Jesus. Because what this meal means, there's nothing magical about this meal. It's, it's, it's juice and, and crackers. We bought them at Cub. But they symbolize something more. And by partaking in this, this symbolic meal, we, we acknowledge that we're reaffirming our faith in Jesus and saying, yes, Lord, I will follow you with everything that I have. And I will participate in your kingdom by your grace to the best of my abilities. And so what we're going to do is we're going to spend a few moments in reflection. Uh, we're gonna, we're, we'll spend some time in silence. I know we've got some kids in here and they're excited to be here. And so they're going to move around and they're going to wiggle and that's a-okay. But we're going to take some time in, in silent reflection and just linger. There's no set amount of time, but just take a moment. And I want you to reflect on who is God? And in light of this meal, what is Jesus done and how does that affect the way that we live our lives and who is the holy spirit and how is the holy spirit working within us to continually transform and renew us into the image that god has made us so after that time whenever you're ready come forward we'll grab the the bread and the juice and we'll bring it back to our seats i'll read from the scripture and we'll all partake of the meal together So Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're able to gather today. We thank you for the salvation that you provide for us through your Son. Jesus, we thank you for your example of how to live out this image of God, life. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that by your power, we're able to be transformed. And pray that you would guide us in this time, that you'd speak to our hearts and quiet our minds and tune our ears that we would hear you more clearly, that we would hear you better, and that we would obey. And so the last time that Jesus and his friends got to hang out, they're having a meal, and there was this time where you're supposed to break the bread and and say some words. But Jesus takes it and he breaks the bread and he said, take, eat, this is my body. And similarly, he took the cup. And when he given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. We know that it's not by our merit, but by what you've done, that we're able to walk with you and to be called sons and daughters. We thank you that we're able to share this meal with you. Pray that we would participate in your kingdom with you as well. Okay, kids. This is the part of our service where you get to head out over in this direction. Miss Sandy and Nicole have got some activities planned for you today. Oh, excuse me. Nope, time out. Jump the gun. Jump the gun. My apologies. My apologies. First, we've got to read some scripture. And so uh, our good friend Justin is going to come up and read that. And, uh, or 
Paul, did you want to read? Oh, okay, sure. Yep. Our good friend Paul is going to come up and read, and uh, we're going to be reading out of the book of Matthew. That's in the New Testament. If you have a paper Bible and you'd like to follow along, feel free to pull that out. Matthew is in the New Testament, so if you're turning, it's more on the, uh, on the right side than on the left. And if you have a mobile device, feel free to swipe, tap, or do whatever you need to to get there. And uh, if neither one of those options are favorable or available to you, the words will be displayed on the screen behind us. So, Paul, whenever you are ready. Good morning. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, Matthew 6, verses 16 to 34. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may seem by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And when the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, he will not much more clothe you of you of little faith, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Paul. All right, kids. Now, this is the time of our service where you can go ahead and head out this door over this way. And uh, Nicole and Sandy have a great lesson planned for you. Lord, we thank you for these kids. And uh, we ask that we would be responsible and obedient with the gift that you've given us in their lives. And we pray that we would demonstrate to them what it is to follow you and that we would help grow them into disciples of you. Amen. Oh my gosh, just hungry, hungry, very, very hungry. Cannot wait for potluck. I've been, uh, oh yeah, I've just, man, I've been on this fast, trying to like really get tight. And uh, oh man, I mean, just like can't even see straight. I'm just so hungry and like, I mean, I didn't even button my shirt right. Forgot my watch at home. Had to have Megan bring it. I mean. Oh, whoo! Fasting—that's tough. It's tough. It's really tough. Okay, if I ever get up here and start a sermon like that in any kind of seriousness, you all have not only permission but a moral obligation to confront me and uh, call me out on my sin and just tell me blatantly that I'm being a fool. Okay. Uh, that is, if, if I, as your pastor, behave that way, um, we have some issues and uh, we need to work through that. But, and, and some of you, you know, maybe you've, you've been around or you've, that isn't too far out of the, the stretch of imagination or your experience. Uh, maybe you've seen people like that and that is too bad. But this, was, this would have been the experience for, for people around Matthew's day. So as, as we said, we're reading through this book of Matthew. And, and it was a book that, uh, it's, it's pretty lengthy. And so it, it's one of the ones that we wouldn't necessarily, uh, people wouldn't have, have, have sat down in one sitting. It maybe would have been something in a number of different chunks. And we're going through this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. And so it's this, this long, the longest dialogue that we have of, of Jesus uh, recorded of, of kind of like his his teachings uh, in, in one fell swoop. And, and so it would have been pretty common for the people that were, were gathered kind of in, in a room like this to listen to these words being preached. And they'd have looked around this, they'd have said, you know, okay, we got some, some common folks, much like us, just trying to, to scrape by in life, you know, pay the bills on time, raise some decent humans, and, uh, and get by. But they also would have seen uh, there was these religious leaders, these people called Sadducees and Pharisees, and, and they, they were kind of the benchmark. There was kind of what you ascribed to. And, and, and they fasted pretty regularly. And so you'd, you'd see these, these people, so that, you know, so we'd, we'd all be sitting in this room, and, and growing up, we'd have been taught, like, knowing that, okay, so imagine you just kind of put yourself there. Imagine that you're, you're there and you're listening to someone read the Gospel of Matthew. Now, you would have known growing up that you only need to fast one day out of the year. There's only one day out of the year that the Lord requires you to fast. And that's on the Day of Atonement. But then, you'd know this, but then you'd see 
with your eyes, these, these religious leaders, these people that you were supposed to look like and emulate and follow, and they were fasting like twice a week, and then when they did, they looked all disheveled and, and haggard, and you just, and you'd start to think, okay, so this is kind of this, this piece that, that the Lord is trying to bring me into, and then I see these guys over here, and they're, that's just weird. Can you imagine the confusion that you'd walk in as far as, okay, I know that the Lord has asked this of me, but I see these people doing this. What am I supposed to do? And then all of a sudden, you hear Jesus come along. And he says, no, not, not this way. Not that way, but this way. I want you to do the right things the right way. I don't want you to do the right things the wrong way. And we, we've spoken over the last few weeks, we, we talked about how generosity he said, I, I, want you to, I want you to be generous, but I want you to do it the right way. Don't clang a bunch of symbols and, and show off. Just, just eat your humble pie and be obedient. And be generous as your heavenly Father has been generous. And, so, and, he, and he's exposing our attitude toward others. And then he moves on and he, and he teaches us about prayer. And we talked about that for the last two weeks. And, and he's saying, hey, you know, don't, don't make a big, big deal out of, out of your prayers, but but pray and, and pray this way. And he teaches what the church has historically called the Lord's Prayer. And he's getting after our idea and our attitude toward God. But sometimes it's, it's easy to, to forget about others, isn't it? It's easy to, to kind of avoid God. It's really difficult to avoid ourselves, though, isn't it? Like we're, we're, looking, we're kind of wired to look out for number one. You know, we want to say yes to ourselves. So all of a sudden, Jesus is like, we'll talk about others just to kind of warm you up. We'll talk about God to like really bring it in, but then I'm going to, I'm going to bring it home right here. And we're going to talk about you and your heart and your attitude toward yourself. And so he's going to talk about this notion of fasting, this giving up of, of a good thing for something better. And in, and in a lot of religious circles, both uh, within Christianity and outside of Christianity, people will fast from food. That's a, that's a fairly regular uh, thing that we see. But what Jesus is getting at here is, is more of, of, of material goods. He's speaking a little bit more broadly, not just of food. Uh, and so we read, um, you know, he's, he's also talking about moths. Does anybody, has anybody here been threatened by a moth? I mean, they're weird, like when they, like if they fly into your mouth, like that's, that's weird. If you're, you like walk through a door where the light is, that's unfortunate. You know, but your financial security, like have you ever taken your wallet out and been like, oh, my credit card got eaten by a moth? Like has that ever happened to anybody? Is that a rational fear? Like if, no, it's, it's not, right? But what Jesus is getting at here is, is there, there's something that we need to understand. So in the ancient Near East, your clothing meant something. So I don't know if, you, uh, um, if, you're, if you're a reader of the New Testament, you may have heard a story called the prodigal son or the, the father who runs. And we've talked about that here where, where the father comes and he, he puts a robe around the disobedient son as a way to symbolize him bring, coming back into the kingdom. And we also, do we have any Donny Osmond fans? Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Okay, if you, just real quick summary. It happens back in the book of Genesis. There's this guy named Jacob, and he has a bunch of sons, and one of them is named Joseph, and he really likes Joseph, and he gives him this really pretty coat, and his brothers get all upset. 
And they try to kill him, but they decide it's more profitable for them to sell him, so they sell him into slavery. He goes off to this country in Egypt and becomes the number two in the land and then saves the world around them from this famine years later and then restores his brothers. And it wasn't just that he had a coat, but it was what that coat meant. And it was how his dad went about giving it to him, and it was about how he received it. It was the right thing done the wrong way. And it spoke about this kingdom that Jacob was trying to give him, this, that, the, kind of the image that he was sending to his sons. And so Jesus is, is trying to get us to see that that these, cl- these clothes, this kingdom that, that they'd have, and, so, and, and that was kind of what symbolized your sort of your deed. So imagine if you went back to your house right now and you, you pulled out the deed to your home, if you, if you have one and you're, you're going to say, I'm going to prove that I own this home, but bugs had eaten it, like that would be a big bummer, right? That would not be great. And, but Jesus is saying, that would not be great. However, don't place your security in your home. Don't place your security in things that can, that can vanish. Place your security in something that will not go away. Don't seek to advance a kingdom that can be taken away by moths, by rust, by recession, by thieves, by all sorts of circumstances outside of your control. But bank on the sure bet. Place your security in a kingdom, as Solomon would say in Ecclesiastes, that's beyond the sun. And often we, we hold these things too tightly, right? These possessions of ours. We hold on to this kingdom. And Jesus is trying to expose us to kind of an upside down and backward way of thinking. So in his world, the religious leaders, if you, if you wanted to be kind of religious, uh, successful in, in, in religion, you'd have to be the smartest. You'd have to know all the different words and all the prayers and all the sayings. And you'd have to you know, be really morally good and, and behave the right way. And if you wanted to succeed in business, you had to be a little bit cutthroat. And you had to really look out for number one, sometimes literally. And, and you'd have to just grab anything and everything that you could in the hopes that you'd be able to use that to build more and more wealth. Do you know of a world like that? Do you know of, of a people like that? Like, I see that in two-year-olds at daycare. You know, just that like mine, mine, mine mentality. I've got, I've got to have everything, even though you, you, like, you can't play with any of the toys because you're too busy holding them. You know, and I'd like to say that it's just two-year-olds that do that. But if I'm honest, right, that's my own heart. Get so caught up in trying to get and to attain and to build that I don't even get to live in the kingdom. And so Jesus is saying, don't hold this so tightly. Don't have such a single-minded devotion to these things, but rather have a single-minded devotion to the kingdom of God. And so when he talks about the eye being the lamp of the body, he begs this question of where is your gaze fixed? What are you looking forward to? What are you looking inward at? What are you trying to build either within yourself or outside of yourself? What are your goals? Because he knows that if he can expose us to what our goals are, it'll help us to see who our gods are. If he can show us our goals, he can help us see our gods. 
And he's going to present us this question of, are we out for our comfort or for God's glory? He's saying, I want you to work for the right kingdom. I had the experience to, to see this right kingdom mentality in action when I was 19 years old. I was part of a church in college, and, and uh, the guy that did the music for us, uh, he'd been working hard, trying to find a job. He'd, he'd moved to the area to go to school. He finds a job, and he tells his boss, look, here's the deal. I go, I, I'm here for school. My faith is important. I will work as often as I can around my school schedule, and on Sunday, I go to church. So I can't work on Sundays. And it had been kind of a, he started off, he was liking the job, the pay was okay, he was paying the bills, things were going great. And he goes, he gets his schedule, he notices he's scheduled on a Sunday. And his boss said, yeah, I know you can't really work on Sundays, I'm really sorry, I was really strapped, you're the only one that could work. And he says, okay, you know, I get it, all right. You know, I'd appreciate a little heads up, but we really, this is really important to me. Uh, you know, I'm here for school, and so I appreciate you working around this, and my faith is very important to me, so Sundays I, I go to church, it's, it's vital for me to worship, um, you know, with, with the body. And it's, yep, you know, this won't happen again. Well, so the next week, it's all great. The week after that, he noticed he's, he's scheduled again. So he goes in, same conversation with the boss. And this time the boss says, hey, look, this is just, you know, it's the nature of the beast. You're going to have to work Sundays. And he said, uh, you know, I told you when I came here that I'm here for school and my faith is important to me and I don't work on Sundays. So I appreciate it, but I quit. I'm out. And at first glance, you go, okay, sure. You know, college kid, you need what, like a buck? You can go out and buy a case of ramen, and, you know, you can survive on that, and, uh, you know, you can figure it out. His story was a little bit different, though, in that he was also providing for his wife because she couldn't work because she was pregnant with, with their first child. But he knew that God's kingdom was far more important than his kingdom, and he knew that if he compromised and continued to compromise, that eventually he'd be serving himself and his comfort and not God and his glory. So it was about doing the right thing the right way for the right kingdom. I also heard a story recently about, I got to talk to a guy who, he noticed that there were a lot of, there were a lot of people coming out of a, uh, of a men's drug rehab center in his town. And they, they're having a tough time finding work. He's like, man, this is, this is a problem. I need to solve this problem. And he thought, what can I do to solve this problem? And so he started a business so that he could hire some of these young men and put them to work so that he'd be able to have interactions with them and show them what it meant to follow Jesus. And so that when his friends came in to visit him, uh, He'd be able to, to hook these guys up with, with good mentors and that they'd have positive relationships in the world. Can you imagine that? Your sole purpose for business being about the kingdom of God. He's, he's like, yeah, bottom line, I've got to make money so that I can pay these guys and stay in business. But at the end of the day, I'm not here for dividends that I'm going to cash in on this side of heaven or this side of, of death. I'm looking for cashing in to a greater kingdom for a greater purpose. And so it brings up these questions of, of how are we spending what we have? What are the goals that we have in our lives? Jesus is going to speak about not being anxious 
And this isn't uh, clinical anxiety he's talking about, but more about this anxiety that, that can arise around our possessions and reveals what could be coming our gods. And he mentions the wildflowers, and he says, look at the wildflowers. They're gorgeous, but they're here one day and they're gone the next. They're here to, for us to look at and then to be cast into the fire and use as kindling. And so think about some of the beautiful things in your world. We're going to have potluck in a little bit, and we're going to, it's, it's raining out, so we're going to open those garage doors, and you're going to be able to smell all the smells, right? The moisture molecules are going to attach to the scent molecules, and it's going to be awesome. I like that, just that nice, that charcoal smoke smell that we get at the 4th of July, or like maybe it's that, that fresh fruit salad, that time around the fire. You know, it's what we see. It's that, that sunset or that sunrise on the lake when we get to dip our toes in and cool off and exhale. Just take a moment. Maybe it's that time when, when good friends or good family or just preferred company show up at your door. These are all God's ideas. And so when we focus on God's kingdom, worries about having better things fade away as we become more focused on the best thing. Because here's the deal, communitas, is he is wildly fond of you. He wants good things for you, but our sin comes in the way of that. And so he's continuing to work in our hearts to transform our minds and to change our gaze. And it's going to look like our economy flipping on its head. And he's going to wake us up to the opportunities of service so that we can start to see our possessions moving from something that we have to make us feel good to something that we can leverage for the glory of God and to the service of others. So personally, what do you have that you can give away for free? I know that some of us, we're, we're looking at our bank statement and we're looking at our, at our calendar and we're just like, look, I'm tapped out. I got no more space. I got nothing. What is it that you're already doing? Because when I look out, I see a lot of people. I know, and it's great to listen to the stories. Like we, have a, we have a church full of people that, that want to do things. Right? Like we're not just here for intellectual exercises. We're here because we care about our community. And so I see a lot of people that are already engaged with people outside of here who are broken and who need Jesus. And so how are we using our, our time and our materials and, our, and what we've been given in those relationships to, do, to, to advance the kingdom, to interact with one another, and to interact with the world around us? for the sake of healing, for the sake of redemption, for the sake of God's glory. And so as a church, it's going to be vital for us to, be, to keep thinking this way. How do we use the money that we have and the resources that we've been given so that we might glorify God? I'm not a great golfer, but it doesn't take much for me to, to hit some places just even close by that are, that are very needy. I think about the soup kitchen, Harrison School, the high school, the college, the jail, laps, new pathways, all hardly within, you know, just, just more than a stone's throw 
away from us. What can we do? How can we begin to serve others in our community? And will we do it in a way not that stresses our faces and causes us to forget our watch and not button our shirt correctly? How can we do it because we know that we've been given a new identity as people who have been freed, called out of slavery, brought into wholeness, and given the Spirit to transform our lives and the lives of the world around us, not for our comfort, but for God's glory. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to serve you. We know that it is so much easier to say no to others and yes to ourselves. And Lord, we pray that we would catch a glimpse of your economy, the way that you do things, the way that you lay down your life and went to the cross. You didn't make a grand announcement. You picked it up and you went. And so, Lord, what is the cross in our life for us to bear? What are the good things that we must give up for the sake of the better things? What are our goals? And do they reflect you and your kingdom? We pray that we would seek your glory before our comfort. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just ask you to transform our hearts and transform our minds so that we can see ourselves and that we can see your world. Amen. Okay, so as you may be aware, today, as is the first Sunday of every month, is potluck. So, since it is summertime, And in Minnesota, you've got to take all the outside time you can because eventually it will be 30 below and it will be uncomfortable for some to eat outside. So what we're going to do is those of us who brought things, go ahead and grab that and we'll meet on the other side of this wall. PJ and Brian are already out there. The charcoal is started. The grills are ready. If you didn't bring anything, please stay as our guest. We'd be honored to have you, uh, honored to share what we have. We always have enough. Um, and if we don't, I'll just run to the store. It's not a big deal. Uh, but please stay. We, we, have, we have plenty. And so I'll bless that and then uh, and we'll head out. So Lord, thank you for this meal that we are about to partake in. Please bless our conversations. Lord, that we would get to know one another more as we get to know you more. Amen. May you go out this week as people who have been freed, not for your own comfort, but for God's glory. May we extend that glory to those around us, where we work, where we play, where we get educated, where we have fun, everywhere that we are. May God's kingdom reign. All right, let's eat.